0: Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Off the Crossbar, a Real Salt Lake podcast. Wow, this is really good. Uh, So today, we don't know the results of whatever match came before this, probably the New York one. I bet
1: it was awesome.
0: It was so good. Uh, What a great match. Uh,
1: In case it wasn't, uh, darn, next time should be better.
0: We'll get them. On on we'll learn from our
1: mistakes. If there's one thing I know about this team, oh, uh, I thought ri- Aaron
0: ri- right wing, was actually okay. not the worst.
1: Don't, don't <laughs> retroactively speak that into existence, Matt. Um, Real Salt Lake, congratulations on your participation. Is that in your most recent match? In your most recent, okay, Real Salt Lake, congratulations on your participation in your most recent match. In- enjoy. <laughs> Fans. i like how but, we're recording this as if we're gonna like cut and paste depending on the result we're not yeah to be clear <laughs> okay cut that part out
0: so now it's recording properly okay now it's recording properly i don't know how software works <laughs> uh so it's really complicated we've got lucas Muller, who you'll know from rsl soapbox and one episode of off the crossbar did a nice in little interview with matt murphy uh, head athletic trainer for Real Monarchs, so uh, why don't you just listen to that?
1: And Lucas' professionalism. Tre- Trevor and I, and sort of Matt, couldn't definite, handle it, so we had to man. send him the... <laughs>
0: Our special correspondent.
1: Yes. I think yeah. of him more of as, as, as a mercenary, but uh, yes. Because he's such a shooter with this camera. You know, he takes I photos. I get it. I get it. I, I called up my shooters. You know? I don't get it. He, he, so, are like, when, you're, like taking photos, oh, when higher, you're taking photos, when you're taking photos, you shoot, shoot. You, sometimes, you sometimes shoot photos. Anyway,
2: enjoy the, Kyle enjoy the
0: episode. Just
3: making a pun. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, Off the Crossbar. This is Lucas Muller. Um, and today I'm speaking with Matt Murphy, who is a, an athletic trainer for the Real Monarchs. Uh, Matt, how are you today?
2: I'm great, Lucas. How are you doing?
3: I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, So, yeah, uh, really excited to have you on. Thanks for joining. Of course. We'd love to hear a little bit more about your background, where you're from, what made you um, take an interest in athletic training, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, so I'm originally from Wisconsin. I have born and raised there. Soccer's always kind of been my passion, my sport of choice growing up, played throughout high school, dabbled in college a little bit, um, just went to a small school in Wisconsin. And athletic training has always been the profession I want to get into. Uh, From when I was in high school, I had aspirations of working pro soccer, so kind of set my tone right away to get into athletic training and found the school that matched and set me up in a good spot. Uh, turns out things have worked out pretty well for me. Uh, after I finished up my undergrad, I went to West Palm Beach, Florida and worked at Palm Beach Atlantic University for a year doing an internship where I had the privilege of working with their men's soccer team, which just kind of solidified that I wanted to keep working soccer as well. After that, I moved to Mississippi State University for my master's degree as well as working with the track and field teams there and it made me appreciate a different sport, but again, I always had kind of the urge to get back into soccer. And so I kind of ended up here by luck. Uh, I followed Theron, our director of sports medicine here, mm-hmm. on Twitter because he's been in the league for a long time and I wanted to keep a pulse on what kind of things that people in the league are talking about and what they're saying. And he happened to post a job for the academy athletic mm-hmm. training position. And I applied via Twitter. And oh, wow. <laughs> a couple of weeks later I'm, I'm a way out here and driving from Mississippi to Utah to start the Academy. So I always say I'll never speak ill of social media after that.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really funny story to hear.
2: Uh, A positive come from Twitter. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, What year did you land at the Academy?
2: So I landed in February 2019. So I just passed my one year mark. Nice. Um, What was it like
3: working with the Academy boys?
2: It was a very different experience for me. I haven't Spent a lot of time in the adolescent population Mm -hmm. before coming here. And then it got even more interesting once we added our U15 team as well. So kind of increased first six to seven months I was working with our under-17s and under-19s team. Um, Overall pretty positive experience. It's pretty amazing to see what we are able to provide Mm -hmm. these academy products and these academy kids between gear, traveling, facilities... So it was really cool to get to work with them. And then adding the 15s, another 20 kids coming in. So 7 a.m. trainings always came really early. <laughs> so, but it was it was good. I yeah. enjoyed it.
3: Nice.
2: Um, and when did you move to the Monarch side? So when there was an opening, I became the Monarch's Head Athletic Trainer this past January. Okay. So probably mid-January or so. Um, I got that promotion, which very grateful for bosses for having the confidence mm-hmm. to move me up into that role but uh it's it's been good so far uh I've really enjoyed working with the guys getting to know them uh, I was around them a little bit last year just mm-hmm. as a club you get to know everybody sure so it was a good transition coaches are great I'd had some experience I'd worked with Alave and Matt before so it was really cool to kind of get to know them a little bit more and keep that working relationship
3: yeah so when you are, um, maybe this is kind of like a typical end season question, but mm-hmm. like who do you report to? Who do you work with closely? Kind of can you sketch out those details a little bit?
2: Yeah. So I work close. I would say our strength and conditioning sports scientist department is who I work very closely with. The Monarchs. That's Ryan Tham. He's mm-hmm. does an amazing job working with guys, and then also I report to Hamison and Matt and the rest of our coaching staff. But it also is a very tight-knit group at the USL level. We don't have quite as many people, so it can be anyone from our equipment manager, Ben, to whoever's on staff. But I'll send out injury reports to everyone in the organization every day, make sure they all know what's going on, and then we'll usually sit down with the first-team staff as well just kind of plan out what players are going where every week. So, yeah, it's typical.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So when you're, I guess, how different is the approach from, like, the plans you're putting together, the reports you're sending out about, Mm. you know, Academy boys versus
2: um, USL professionals? Uh, There's definitely, the smaller things mean a lot more at the professional level. If a guy's feeling a certain way, it's more important for me to pass that information along to coaches so they can adapt whether we need to alter his training program, what what his player load is for the day, that kind of stuff, and so the more information I can give to them, they're able to kind of filter out what's relevant and what's not, as we're with the academy and so many boys. I try to keep the big points, whether kind of in training, out of training. Those are the really important things for the coaches to know. Again, the professional level, the more minute things become more important in case they may lead to larger things. That makes sense.
3: What kind of... Um like what is an example of a training load for like a fully healthy player versus someone that's coming back from like maybe a minor injury? Um,
2: so we try to vary it. Um, again, Ryan does a great job of making those plans of mm-hmm. what our loading should look like. So we typically do Mondays are if we play on Saturday. Mondays typically lighter day for more of a regen session to kind of get guys moving again after traveling. Tuesday is our big training day, so that's when we try to go big spaces, work on tactical stuff as well as just getting guys some high-speed running and get them more adaptation happening and try to get them better as athletes and as players. Um, We kind of use some arbitrary metrics for that. There's not really... When we get outside, we're able to talk about meters covered, so like see exactly how much distance guys are covering on the field, that kind of stuff. But when we're inside due to weather... We're kind of limited to just our arbitrary player load number, mm-hmm. and that's usually somewhere between four and eight hundred. Hmm. So an eight hundred is kind of what we call more eight to eight hundred to thousands typically a game day. Okay. And then about six to seven hundred is a heavy heavy day, hmm. and then like a heavy training day? heavy training okay. day. Yep. And then about four hundred is more of a lighter gotcha. training day. Interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's not exactly my area of expertise, but mm-hmm. I've able to pick up some knowledge just working closely with the sports scientists we have here.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so, I would love to hear like what your full game day is like from when you wake up, what you do before game, when you're at the you know at the stadium, um, what you're doing in to, in
2: game, and then immediately after. So I typically get to the stadium for a U.S.L. match about five hours early with our Kitman, Ben, we're setting up the locker room, we're getting basically snacks, hydration, everything set up for the guys, so when they come in, they can kind of get into their own mental space, do what they need to do. I'm doing pregame treatments, whether that's any manual work, taping, whatever the guys need me to do physically to get them ready for the game. So that, that can get pretty chaotic, depending on guys' special requests and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But then... We get to we go on field. I'm always making last minute adjustments for guys if they need stretching, whatever. Um, getting them hydrated is always the big thing, especially once we get into the summer months and the heat picks up. And then during games, I'm pretty much mic'd up to someone on the bench. So when I'm on field doing an evaluation, letting coaches know, hey, need a sub, <laughs> need this guy's good, just give him a minute, that kind of stuff. So just about reeling information. And, again, continuing hydration of guys in-game, halftime, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Post-game, calms down a little bit. Immediately after, guys aren't too Mm receptive. Most guys, whether win or loss, kind of just want to get in, get out. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there's an injury or something, then we're taking it from there. So, unfortunately, if an injury does occur during a game, we always have... For our matches, we always have one of our team doctors on site, so that player's going to be getting an evaluation from me, our team doctor, and kind of seeing where if he needs to go for imaging or wherever we need to go from here with that injury. So those are the days where it can get really chaotic when we're having to possibly get an MRI for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So that can be a little hectic, but if we get through a game healthy, it's pretty low-key, just take down all of our hydration setups and all that kind of good stuff. So when you see a player go down in the field, are you
3: like ready to go and ready to run out if need be? Or?
2: Yeah, so we're, we're a little limited um, by referees. Mm-hmm. So if it's a life-threatening injury or a head injury, the league allows us to enter the field without permission from the referee. It's, but also pregame, I always talk to, usually the center referee and the fourth official, mm-hmm. so they kind of know who I am, and they usually say the same thing there's head injury, life-threatening, get out there, we're fine with that. But otherwise, we need to be beckoned down by the referee. So I'll always stand up, go to the sideline if a player goes down, kind of be ready. Hopefully I'm watching the match and I see exactly what happens, so I have Mm -hmm. an idea of what's going on before I actually get out there. But just in case, I'm always at the ready. And even if there is stoppage and the guy just gets up, usually players will come that are near the sideline, grab a drink, keep going. But then, yeah, so I do have to get called on by the referee. I'm doing a little jog to get out there and uh, doing the best evaluation I can in a short time frame because the world of soccer, we got to keep moving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you tell the difference between, like, time-wasting and the legitimate injury? Um, it's a lot of knowing the players. Okay. Um, and there can be game- gamesmanship, Um yeah. maybe the pace at which I'm getting to the player, mm-hmm. but... Oh, in your <laughs> response. Yeah, so okay. sometimes there's encouragement from personnel to, like, hey, we're trying. Oh, don't rush this one. Exactly, yeah, like, he's all right, and so I always take the most ethical and professional approach I can, mm-hmm. make sure the player is all right, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes it's a lot of just going off what the guys are telling me, so you could say, my ankle's killing me, I, I got stepped on, like, okay, let's take a sec, take a breath, get it cooled off, maybe some water, or whatever, mm-hmm. and we'll get them off the field. Because we always have to go off the field if I'm on the field. And then see how quickly you can kind of rebound from that. So I, I do think they've done a good job of trying to eliminate, and our profession is not... We don't like to encourage the whole time-wasting thing, yeah. but it is part of the game, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, when you...
3: Like, how do you make that decision... When an injury is, they can play through,
2: or um, they have to be subbed out. So, a lot of it's through experience and through my education. Um, We're taught how to evaluate difference between muscles, bones. So bones are tough because a break is kind of the only thing that could happen to a bone. Mm -hmm. So and but X rays are obviously the golden standard for that. Mm -hmm. So we basically a lot of it is seeing what happened in the play, and then going off of what the severity of the injury is presenting as. So if it's an ankle sprain, for example, they may be able to keep playing if we just take them up, if it's minor enough. But usually if it's severe, there's going to be that immediate swelling, bruising, mm-hmm. too painful to walk, that kind of thing. So a lot of it's just kind of the education, and again, like I said, talking to the player. So if it's something just... Like, I got stepped on or got kicked, I'll talk to the player. Hey, you think you can keep going? Most guys at the professional level are like, yeah, I can keep going. Like, let's, I'm good. Academy, with the subs, substitution differences, it's a little bit easier for the guys to be like, oh, no, I can't go. It hurts too bad. So mm-hmm. then we just make the change that way. Yeah. But a lot of it's just in moment and based on my past experience and education.
3: Are the professional players pretty good about knowing... Like, when it's actually safe for them to continue to play and when, you know, they've they've actually done some, some
2: damage? Most of the time, yes. Um, depending on kind of the player's past experience, some guys, if they've had a longer injury history, they're more in tune with their bodies, we like to say. So they kind of know, okay, this is bad or this is something I can kind of keep going through for the game. Um but some of the younger players aren't quite as in tune, it's just something they learn over time, mm-hmm. so it kind of just varies player by player, but I would say most of the pro guys are pretty re- responsive to yeah. their own bodies.
3: Okay. So what are some of the common injuries that you
2: see? So ideal, ankles are super common, mm-hmm. so ankle sprains, uh, muscular is a lot of groin issues, which mm-hmm. makes sense, just the mechanism of soccer mm-hmm. and then hamstrings can be a pretty common one as well mm, let's see uh, groins have kind of been the most common that i've dealt with between the academy and then a little bit in the usl so far mm-hmm. of a lot of groin injuries but yeah still working on figuring out the true cause of those <laughs> yeah that's tricky um
3: so in a typical week for the season, like mm-hmm. what like you kind of walk through what training looks like, but um, outside of training, like what are your responsibilities? What are
2: you working on? So um, documentation is huge. So I'm always everything I do on a player. We have an injury tr- a documentation system. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting in treatments, rehab that they're doing, what all these guys are doing. If a player goes to the doctor, I'm coordinating with the doctor. So he and I are in communication, setting up appointments what a guy may have going on. And then in my role, I'm also kind of working on insurance for guys as well. So since they're employees, they go through workers' compensation. So I'm filling out insurance claims Mm. to our cell and then working with the people at workers' comp and our doctor's office to make sure everything's paid up in the proper way. Mm. So other than that, it's a lot of just interacting with players Building rapport. I'm always in a couple hours early, so there's always setup. Getting again hydration stations ready, making sure we have proper proper emergency medical equipment, AED, splint bags, uh, ice if we need it on the training field, easily accessible. Um, yeah, a lot of it's developing rehabs as well, and just kind of figuring out what the week looks like for a guy that's injured. What are we trying to focus on? with rehabilitation between treatment and exercises. So, So for one of those, like, common groin or ankle injuries, mm-hmm. what
3: would a typical re- rehab plan look like?
2: So, depending where he is and what, he's toler- what his pain tolerance is, we try to get him... We like to do some sort of heat modality. So, we have, like, hot packs we can put on the area or where they can do a bike for 10 minutes or so mm-hmm. just to kind of get blood flow to the area. Then, most of the time, I like to start with some soft tissue work. Mm-hmm. So... We have various um, modalities for soft tissue work. Um, I'm grassed and trained, so it's like a a scraping. You've Mm -hmm. probably heard of it. Uh, Cupping, we do cupping. Mm -hmm. um, Or just like manual massage, basically. Mm -hmm. We're lucky enough to have a massage therapist come in, work with us a couple times a week. First Team has their own staff massage therapist Mm -hmm. that is able to help their guys out, which is a great resource for us. But... After that, then we get them into some activation rehab exercises. So, uh, for groin, we're trying to do a little bit of mobility work. So, a lot of guys have just tight groins, and we're trying to improve the mobility. So, whether that be some static stretching or some active range of motion exercises that the player's doing themselves, it could just be doing a leg out, squat back into a groin stretch. And then we're going to go into some strengthening exercises. So it may just be groins. We're going to work on any of the adductor muscles. So it could just be a lateral lunge, for example, something to help strengthen those muscles where the problem is. But we also try to keep a holistic approach to the body. So even if its groin is hurt, we may still want to strengthen his glute muscles, his Mm -hmm. quad muscles, because everything's interconnected with the body. Mm -hmm. So... Try to incorporate the person as a whole, and then a lot of it is also trying to look at, is the pro if it's a chronic problem, is there somewhere else where this problem's leading to? Is there mm. foot alignment off? Do they have flat feet? Is that causing, an interior like a different rotation of the hips at the knee? Kind of try to look at the whole body and see if we can help that player fix the problem so he's not constantly in seeing us.
3: No, so when you see a player go down either in training or. Um like in a game, is there a worst case scenario that you're kind of afraid of, like, oh, please don't let this be
2: X? Uh, always cardiac arrest. Hmm. So, and sudden, like, loss of consciousness. Yeah. So, those are always probably the most terrifying. Have
3: you been in those scenarios?
2: The closest I've come is when I was in undergrad, there was a cheerleader that fell from the top of a pyramid and landed on her neck. Oh. And so, we did have to see spine. Her and call, Bert EMS to get them there, and she was transported. Luckily, she was all right. Mm-hmm. But I've been pretty fortunate that my career is not had been <laughs> have too many experiences with those. Yeah. But yeah, those those are the worst case scenarios that we're fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else we can pretty much manage, but acute dislocations are always tough. So someone dislocated knee, dislocated ankle. Those ones are always tough and basically trans pack it and transport it right away mm-hmm. so we don't. I'm not really going to be messing around with those too much, um, no. and that's also benefiting the doctor there as well because he can give his opinion as well. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, definitely sudden loss of consciousness, cardiac yeah, arrest geez. are though. <laughs> They're serious issues. Yes.
3: <laughs> uh, So with the doctor and staff, um, Mm -hmm. how much treatment is, maybe you haven't been in these situations yet, but like how much of that treatment would be done,
2: you know, at the stadium versus getting them off to the hospital? Uh, It all depends on severity. Mm -hmm. So if it's very serious, we'll get them treated there, Um, or sorry, we'll get them sent to the hospital Mm -hmm. to send more resources, Um, obviously hospital setting can do a lot more imaging and... Have all the resources they need right there to help with the treatment. Um, but the doctor is always kind of around. He's there to help do evaluations. So even if it's minor, even game days are a good day. If some guy's kind of lingering with an issue pregame, game, may have him see the doctor and just be like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And then depending where what he says, we'll kind of guide where we go with playing availability and treatment and all that good stuff. Um, so the USL season is rapidly approaching. Yep. Uh, what are you looking
3: forward to most this you know, in 2020?
2: It's uh, super exciting to come join the team after championship year. So mm-hmm. it's pressures on us. Everyone's gonna be coming for us this year. So, uh, but uh, I'm, I love traveling. so USL offers a lot of unique cities mm-hmm. to go to, so I'm really looking forward to getting on those road trips. and just kind of seeing how my first year in professional soccer goes. Um every level you go up, the pressure and stress goes up. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to kind of rise to the challenge and just enjoy it. Nice. Hopefully we can make the same kind of run we did last year and win another title. Should be fine. Yeah, we can uh, do did it. Did you go to the final? I did, yes. Yeah, so okay. I was lucky enough to be in the stands for that game. Yeah. So. Okay. Were you in that charter flight? I was, okay, yeah. me too. So, yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Very late night
3: return, though. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I was at work like Monday morning and it was brutal i was the si- i was in the monday same morning. boat yeah. <laughs> yeah they didn't give everyone the day off no probably sure well
2: academy that was the deal i was still at the academy so oh, I, oh that's yeah, right yeah. you can go but 7 a.m training with the academy monday morning so yeah. three hours of sleep later i was like oh. totally worth it though. yeah exactly totally it. just because they want just because we want it <laughs> yeah that was such a wild run
3: to the that final yeah when they went down that first goal i was like it's just fun to be here and then <laughs> those three were incredible yeah, it was a great game to be a part of. No. Um, how often do you interact with the RSL staff? Like, Do you go to games?
2: Do you ever, like a assist um, in that respect? Yeah. I On a daily basis in training, we constantly have guys flowing back and forth. I mean, Last year, we just always had guys from the first team play with Monarchs, and there's been a pretty steady flow of guys coming between the teams, so... I'm always communicating. We're lucky enough to, with our facility to share a room where there's only kind of a half wall as a mm-hmm. mock divider, but we really are kind of one group. Mm-hmm. And so if I got questions on a guy or if I say, hey, do you mind getting a second opinion? Can you look at this guy for me? Theron and uh, Tyler are great with the first team. And we just added Jessica as well to the staff. So we have a, they have a great group. So I'm able to work pretty closely with them. And all the RSL guys are receptive. I mean, we've, we're have we very lucky here. We have a really good group of guys, both with the Monarchs and with RSL. So they make they make work enjoyable, and it's fun to be around them, interact with them. And it's always easier to help those people get better.
3: Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so one thing that Doyle Hansen has talked about is the development pipeline that we see both on... The technical side, the front office, like in late fall and Stephanie mm-hmm. Lee to players coming up, you know, um, with uh, Chris Garcia like just getting a contract. Yep. Um, it seems like you are kind of in the middle of that. Like you just moved from the academy to the Monarchs. Um, is that a philosophy that filters down to like um, to your team and your position? And is do you want to like continue to grow? Like do you want to end up in MLS.
2: Yeah, so that was one of the big things of why I wanted to come to the academy position to begin with, was I looked at the previous hiring, and they've had great success from um, the previous academy person I replaced was the one that moved up to the Monarchs, Mm -hmm. and so after he left, I was able to get promoted to his position, so the club already seemed to have that culture of people that I think are good within will promote, and I know our academy technical director Tom Spall was super supportive of me moving up as well. We've had several other staff members, our goalie coach of the Monarchs now Mirza was with with me at the academy, so we I think our club does a really good job of not only doing players moving up the pipeline but also staff moving up the pipeline as well. So mm-hmm. I really think our department in sports medicine does a good job of that, but I think most of our club does a really good job with that as well, so it was a big reason why I came out came out here. And yeah, I absolutely have desires to try to get to the MLS level. Um, The monarch Sethler trainer before my predecessor made it to since he's with the Cincinnati team now, so he's assistant there. So there's been a proven reputation of. Working at this level, but closely with the MLS to create those opportunities to get in the MLS. Mm. So, yeah, we got all the aspirations in the world to get up to that level. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's good to hear. Um, so, uh,
3: Trevor, who is one of the co hosts on the show, mm-hmm. um, wanted me to ask you about a few weeks ago, there's a U.S. Uh, UFC fight where a girl tore her ACL halfway through it uh-huh. and still finished the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, the trainer came on to check in her between rounds and athletic fe- trainer. Athletic trainer, yes. Sorry, <laughs> um, he just wrote trainer, so that's on Trevor. Okay, let uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Felt her leg for like no more than five seconds and diagnosed it as a small partial ACL tear, and then she continued um, and finished the fight. So is that really like how quickly? those things can be diagnosed or is that like what is that uh
2: response in in ACL again I've never worked in kind of the combat sport fighting realm Mm. so I know they have a whole different set of parameters that Mm. their athletic trainers and physicians need to work under but an ACL is rather pretty easy Mm. when you have years of experience and kind of that skill to feel the tension in that ligament okay so it's a it's simple with experience. Yeah. Early on, it can be pretty difficult, and you kind of need to feel a couple of torn ACLs mm-hmm. to really see how much movement is in that knee. Mm-hmm. But you just get you really only need a couple seconds if there's someone that's skilled and experienced and competent in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it can be pretty shift the knee around. Yeah, there's some laxity in the knee. It's the ACL, so. Mm-hmm. Because there's specific tests. There's ways to test, like MCL, ACL, PCL, LCL. They're all a little bit different. So, yeah, knees are fortunately pretty straightforward joint most of the time. Yeah. So those are the kind of the big four ligaments. So if you can kind of evaluate those four in about 30 to 45 seconds. Wow. Yeah. So it's – and that's just part of our craft is – learning how to do that as efficiently as possible because, like I said earlier, the world of sports, not just soccer, is very fast-moving. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to perform at a high level very quickly Yeah. and be as accurate as possible. So the biggest thing we always have to evaluate is whether we're going to put this person at risk if they continue playing. Mm-hmm. So in that case, their athletic trainer did the evaluation very quickly, determined that, yes, there's damage, but doesn't feel that this is going to put that athlete at an increased risk mm. to possibly get worse if they continue participating. Mm. So, so, yeah, it's, it's why we get paid yeah. to make those quick decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, well, you mentioned growing up in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. right? Um, no MLS team out there. No. Nope. Um, what soccer teams were you a fan of growing up?
2: Um, so I, when I was in college, I was about an hour and a half from Minneapolis area. Mm-hmm. So I went to several Minnesota United games before they became an MLS team. Mm-hmm. So I was going to Blaine, Minnesota. I was actually a referee myself, so oh. I'd, I'd referee some youth-level games, and then there'd be some big tournaments, and Minnesota would be playing, so I'd mm-hmm. try to catch some of those games. But I just kind of love soccer, so um, I didn't really have a set team, especially mm-hmm. in the MLS. Um any, like, anyone outside, like, do you have a um, Premier League team or anything I, like Yeah, that? I don't. I just like soccer. Yeah. No. So, I'll, I'll follow players. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always, I always try to keep the tabs on, you know, the big names mm-hmm. to see how they're doing. Yeah. For me, it's a lot of just staying in the know because our players like to be up to date on stuff, so mm-hmm. it makes conversation a lot easier. Yeah. But, but, no, I don't mm-hmm. have a set Premier League team or La Liga team, I'm... It's kind of nice because
3: I definitely have a Premier League (laughs) team and mostly makes me sad. (laughs) Uh, And it's a little rough. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So when you were going to United Games, Mm -hmm. Minnesota United Games, was that when Blake was
2: there? Uh, Blake. Jack Blake. Oh, no. Okay. No, this was probably just.
3: Six years ago. Oh, uh, so that would have been before his. Yeah, gotcha.
2: Yep. Cool. So, but yeah, it was. They're always really fun. It was. Yeah. I mean, that was the level I'm going to be at now. So mm-hmm. it's. It's kind of crazy to look back and be like, "Oh yeah, I was in the stands." Mm. Just thinking it'd be how cool it'd be to be out there and been fortunate enough to get that opportunity two weeks from now.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, well. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything about your job
2: or what you do that you'd like uh, people to know? The biggest thing I'm going to advocate for is we're athletic trainers and not trainers. Okay. <laughs> it's it's the most common thing, and we totally understand. Like, hey, it's a lot easier to say trainer than athletic trainer. But yeah. even if you're just going at, at I, at is the easiest one. So we're all we're all certified athletic trainers. So ATCs are credentials. So everyone that See running out of the field is at minimum an ATC, maybe more, so gotta promote for the profession. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good. Alright Matt, well thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Lucas. I appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks Lucas. That was a great episode. Nicely
1: done, Lucas. And thank you Matt for joining Lucas and us uh, on this podcast. Goodbye. That we were there for. <laughs>
0: Trevor, I anything? can't
1: no, I can't do that with a straight face, guys. Come on.
0: <laughs>